Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we answer a bunch of questions about adhesive capsulitis in the frozen shoulder. How do we know when to push? What do we do when the person is spastic and in the freezing phase? And what do we do later in the more chronic frozen phases as well? The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're up here in Boston, Massachusetts. Lenny McCrina. Hello. Dave Tilly's choking, <laughs> choking on his protein shake. Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto, up at Champion PT and Performance. We're here answering your questions. Anything you guys want to talk about, PT, fitness, sports, performance, business, anything in, spe- uh, in specific? Anything... Specifically, specifically, specifically. that's a tough word. Anything you guys want to talk about, we love the questions. Keep them coming. Um, we'll get started. Good intro. <laughs> I'm getting bad at the intro. Sorry about that. Come on. Oh yeah, Matt Kelly from Dalhousie University. Sorry, Matt. Take it away, Matt. All right, Peter from the UK says, "How do you know when it's safe to start pushing someone with frozen shoulder? I often feel like I make them worse if I push too hard." Peter, is that what it was? Yeah. All right. How do you know how to push? How do you know how to push the frozen shoulder? That's interesting. We got This is a good episode. We got a bunch of frozen shoulder questions, by the way. I want Lenny to take this, but I think the key is consistency over intensity. It's just Whoa. me being honest. Yeah. So it sounds, I, like, sounds like you didn't want Lenny to take that. It's no, like I did. You wanted to take I that. I did. I don't want it. <laughs> no, I do, because Lenny's got way more experience I than I do. But I've blown people's shoulders apart yeah. in a bad way because I was trying to go nuts. Well, see, this is I was going to flip the question with with you guys and ask like what like what have you what have you think you've done wrong and how have you made an adjustment? So so what well, before Lenny starts, so what do you say again? The consistency consistency over intensity. It's just like right. you know, like we talked about before with like ACL terminal knee extension. I think the capsule and stuff like that is a little sensitive in the shoulder. So it's like one of those things where you got to find that fine line of discomfort and be like, I just want you to do this a lot, like consistently use your range of motion, right. blow through pain. But like, I think that there's so much that can go wrong in the shoulder with bursa and cuff impingement that you can really, really crank somebody up pretty fast because the other kinematics aren't smooth with a frozen shoulder. The caps is kind of bound up, so it's not going to roll well. I like that. So frequency, but let's go back to the question. The question specifically was, how do you know when to push someone? Oh, so this is what I think it's going to be like. I learned one from Mike before. Enfield. From me? Yeah. Okay. We always get, I, I always Enfield. say that, but well, t- what'd you learn, Dan? I'll tell you if you're right. <laughs> All right. So a lot of people will have a, a very, leathery Enfield. Yeah, painful, empty <laughs> Enfield where you're just not hitting end range just because it hurts so much. Um, and for these guys, you probably want to more focus on pain modulation techniques, more frequency, getting them into end range in a way that's not killing them. Um, and then people that have more of a, a capsular Enfield, you could potentially push that a bit more. But again, I'd say it depends on how they feel while it's happening that night and the next day. And then you also want to see if they're actually making progress. If you're pushing too much and it's getting worse, maybe back off at that point. That's a good point. I, I definitely see too. So Dan, Dan, that's what I say all the time is spasm versus capsular end feel. If you have a spastic end feel, then you cranking on them is going to create more spasm. That's guarding and spasm. They're going to lose motion. That's going to be bad. But then secondarily, I think Dan nailed it right there, is that sometimes like I'll be in the middle of a session with a frozen shoulder and just working with them, and then I'll just be like, we're done. 
might be early, right? I don't know what time their appointment's over or whatever, but you know what? You're done. I feel like your tissue's starting to fight me and starting to kind of, kind of, kind of hit back a little bit. And I've had that bounce back effect. And sometimes you see that, like we push a little too hard, they come in the next time, they almost have taken a step back. So I think you got to be careful with that a little bit. So what else? That's capsular end field. That's intercession uh, or intercession, I guess. By time, how um, far advanced. That's what I was going to say. Is yeah. where do we think that they are in like the, the the theoretical phases of frozen shoulder? If you think of like early on where they're really really painful, they're guarding, they're beginning to lose motion, or they've lost some of their motion, or are they way along where they're not really as so sort of be, so to say inflamed, but more so just now stuck, and we can be more aggressive. So I think we got to right. determine where they are in the process. How long has it been going on? What's their medical history? Have they had a previous history of another frozen shoulder? Oftentimes they do, or I would warn them that they're probably going to if they have if this is their first one, and try to figure out how it went previously, because that'll oftentimes dictate you know how they're going to do and what worked for them the last time. I want to know what worked for them. And get into their psyche. So, what's the percentage line? Do you know that? I think it's like twenty percent. Twenty percent get yeah. it twice. Yeah. Interesting. On the other arm or the same or contralateral? Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it's usually contra, yeah. right? That's it. That's yeah. following trauma, right? Usually, so it can be following trauma, but yeah, a, can a, be, yeah. a minimal trauma, something that you don't think is traumatic, like just lifting a piece of luggage or pulling luggage, yeah. going into your back seat and getting something out of the back seat. Yeah, painting a room. I, I that, heard that a, that a ton. It's crazy. The yeah. reaching back. I felt something, didn't think anything of it, but I have a history of diabetes or a thyroid issue or I have a previous history of a frozen shoulder. Right. It's little clues like that. And so, so, so it makes sense. If you're irritable, pushing hard is going to make you more irritable, right? So it's like your personality. If you're in a bad mood, right, if we just poke at you and Dan's in a bad mood, he's going to get even more irritable. Right, gonna hold up. so I'm gonna wait till he starts cheering up before I start. PTs have that. trouble relinquishing. Like, we, <laughs> we think we need to always help by doing more, 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 and I think we do a disservice when we're trying to do more, more, more at this phase right. of, of the game, that early phase where it's irritable, painful, spasming. And when they're irritable and spasm, like Dave said, more frequent, less intense, and try to get them to neuromodulate that spasm. I think I think would be the answer. So. Yeah. Matt, what's number two on the frozen shoulder episode? Uh, Eddie from Kansas City says, Hey, everyone, love the show. As a student PT assistant, it's been a great resource for me for things I don't learn in class. What are your thoughts on modalities like heat and ice for frozen shoulder? I have a patient with limited flexion that guards too much to allow passive range and stretching. Awesome. Okay. Eddie? Is that what you said? Eddie, yeah. Eddie, thank you. Appreciate the comment. So, all right. So, somebody, it sounds like they're... They're limited in their spastic. Did they say that at the end there? Uh, they're guarded. Just, yeah, limited flexion that goes too much. All right, so this person sounds like it's in that phase where they're irritable, inflamed, and you can't really push them too much or they're going to bounce back like we kind of said. So what do you guys think of modality? So heat, ice, ultrasound, laser, those types of things. What do you guys think? I'm going to look to the right. I'm looking to the left. Just, the more hands what do you guys think? What modalities do you use with frozen shoulders? Um, I haven't seen a ton of frozen shoulders, but I've definitely used heat... Prior to the treatment, I think if we're going to do some kind of soft tissue work or um, manual therapy, I think heat can help with that. I'm not exactly sure on how the, the research is with frozen shoulders specifically and what it says about different modalities, but I think um, hot pack at the beginning of the session prior to, to manual therapy stuff can be like, helpful. Yeah, super helpful. Okay. What do you think, Dan? Yeah. Plus, I mean, with frozen shoulders, people hurt a lot, right? So you're just right. going through this huge session of like hurting them. So sometimes just making them feel good is probably going to be a good thing for the sense of that. Um, yeah, I think it's anything that can help modulate some of their pain and make them feel better is probably an okay thing to throw in the, 
into the uh, treatment. Yeah, I feel like for heat would fit that category. So heat's going to reduce some spasms, some tone, get them to relax a little bit, get rid of some guarding. Um, we oftentimes heat them at end range of whatever they may have. So you could argue that's like a low load, long duration stretch. Uh, we call it a sustained hold at end range, if we were going to pick a terminology of that. But we would put heat on with that because it's going to help. I mean, if you actually look at the literature, uh, combining moist heat with low load, long duration stretching is more beneficial than just low load by itself. So again, it, it must be helpful. Actually, ultrasound was too, I believe, in that same study. So if you do an ultrasound simultaneously, so uh, with frozen shoulder, we'll tend to do stuff like ultrasound and laser to, to try to get some, some of the deep heating effect or, or even just the neuromodulation tone effect. We'll do that at end range though. So if you're, you know, I just have to sit back in this position and then maybe do anterior capsule. Um, what about over here? What about ice? So at the end of the session, you just cranked on them like Dan said. They're sore. Do you ice or do you think ice is counterintuitive? What do you guys do? I don't, I don't ice um, usually. Uh, there was a study in like the early 90s that looked at comparing heat, ice, or no modality and showed that the heat, people that heated did better maintaining their range of motion than if they did nothing or if they iced. If they iced, they actually did worse. So I don't ice. Uh, people, to me, I want to get their motion, make them feeling feel good leaving, and I feel like ice kind of pulls back a little. And I t- I give them the option if they want it by all means, but I think it, it almost makes them tighter or the the perception of feeling tighter with the ice. You know, so I just I just I stay away from ice right. with frozen frozen children. I would say I, I probably do too. I mean, I, you could argue if somebody's like super irritable and painful that it's probably from the spasm and the garden guarding than anything else but potentially so you know you could you could argue that heat would actually help that feel better right. it's not like they have an acute inflammation so anyway so sounds like there's some good use of modality so uh what's next matt uh mike from new york says what have you found to be the most effective treatment for adhesive capsulitis i have a patient that is currently in that really frozen stage i'm doing strengthening with tolerated range of motion along with joint mobilization and soft tissue mobilization Focusing on the subscap pec and last, I've seen some improvement, but not what I would consider significant. Am I missing anything? Okay, good. So now, third question. This is good. We're now frozen, so we're not irritable. We're not spastic. Now it's frozen. You're doing some strength, some stretching, soft tissue range of motion. It's not getting better. What do you guys think? What do you do in the frozen phase now? Now we're frozen. What do we do? Yeah, I mean it's in the. F- oh, good. Sorry. Nope. You got in the frozen phase. Um, to me, I'm, I'm buying time. I'm giving them stuff to do on their own. I'm, uh, I'm checking in with them. I don't see people two to three times a week um, like other places are, are still doing. So to me, it's monitoring them. They have access to me. I want to know how their progressions are going at home. They have a good home exercise program. They know what to do at home. And educating them that we need to get through this because you haven't reached the thawing phase yet where I expect the motion to improve and, and stay there versus it's going to improve, but then we we go back to baseline. So I think educating the person that, hey, stick with me, do your stuff at home, let's check in periodically, uh, once a week, once every two weeks at this phase because we gotta get three, four months of this before we probably begin to thaw, unfortunately. It's not what you wanna hear, but this is again, PTs need to understand that we can't always help every single visit. You gotta, you know, relinquish custody a little. So Dave, what do you think? Does this go back to your consistency and frequency comment? Yeah, I mean, I mean, letting the nail on the head, I think it's just like, 
being there with the person saying like, hey, just keep doing this consistently, just continue to get your motion and continue to like kind of hang with it. And I would say that in this phase too, when somebody clearly is probably like the capsule itself is stuck, I think you can maybe try to optimize some stuff around it, you know, make sure they're like lower cervical junction, their T-spine is moving well because they don't really have a lot from their shoulder. If their scap and their thoracic spine and their neck is also very stiff, it's going to be like kind of like a double-edged sword. So maybe try to toss them a little bit of that around the side and see if you yep. get some a little bit more motion. Yeah. Right. What else? What else are you guys do when it's frozen? Well, one thing I would say, too, and Let I think go. this maybe comes down to what the, uh, the physical therapy expectations, too, just because this is a condition that potentially takes one, two years to get better. So a physical therapy is typically like a four- to six-week thing. People see that. And I think as, as, a, as a clinician early on, I just you always will make these fast changes, but that's a very brief glimpse into the whole history of frozen shoulder in four or six weeks. So I think a lot of it is just more realistic expectations. Um, the one thing I didn't hear was being said is just stretching. You know, stretching is something that's helpful for end range. So I didn't see that he was adding stretching to the program. So obviously stretching is going to make a big difference, especially some of the low, low, long duration, making sure you get enough of that throughout the course of the day, 20-plus minutes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's probably probably a frequency thing at this point, kind of keep it going. I think that's a big part. Um, sometimes, too, you could say, you know, you mentioned strengthening in there, but if you're frozen shoulder, you have a really tight capsule and you're doing strengthening, sometimes you're grinding a little bit and you're causing some inflammation in there. I'd say strength is certainly not my focus in this this time. You know what I mean? I Sometimes I don't even do any strength because yeah. that's just, you know, you, go, you can only give them a few things that they're going to actually do at home. So. Maintain a couple of isometrics, maybe that's better. Yeah, so time, frequency, consistency, take a, a complete step back on, on the focus on strength thing I think would be helpful. Um, and just and just monitor. I think that's the way to go. And most people de- tend to do well. It's it's the people that get frustrated and either try to go too fast, and then maybe they flare it back up, get a, get irritable because they get inflamed because they tried to push too hard. You know, one of those things. But you know, something to keep in mind. So. Awesome, great episode. Good frozen shoulder questions. I thought that was uh, neat. We got a bunch of those in the last month, so we'll kind of put them all together with one episode. But uh, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Head to MikeRonald.com, click on that podcast link, and there's a form. You can ask us any questions you want. Anything you guys want to talk about, it's all fair game. We look forward to it. And head to iTunes and subscribe, rate, review. um, Do anything you can to help us promote the podcast to get the word out uh, so we can keep doing this because we really like it. So thanks so much. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.